Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Church, it's a, uh, it's a good Sunday to be here um, because you don't have to listen to me again, um, but you're going to hear from a special guest, somebody who means a lot to me, and that is um, my pastor for, for eight years. Some of you know that I grew up in this church, and then God called me out of this church when I was 20 years old, and there was a pastor in Boca that I guess saw something in me that I didn't see and took a chance on a young 20, 20-year-old who was single and made him his youth pastor. And not only did he make me his youth pastor, but because I was living so far and the church was in Boca, um, God needed, I needed God to give me a home to live in so I could live near where the people were. And he came into my office one day and he said, Jacob, um, you know, my kids have moved out and I got an extra room and my wife and I would like to, to have you live with us. And so not only did he hire me, but he, he kind of became my, my father figure in my life and his, his wife became my mom for like two years. And I didn't know when you move out of the house um, that there are things that your mom did that you, you took uh, for granted, right? And so when I moved in again, I was just, I was like, I didn't know that I had to do all these things. But I, I tell you what, I was so grateful for, for Pastor Don and I, I call him PD. Pastor Don, Pastor Don Carpenter, and, and, and 20, maybe 27, 28 years ago, he started a church and planted a church in Boca Raton, and it's, and it's, a, it's, an, it's an incredible church, and Pastor Don, I love you so much. I'm so grateful. You know, I, when I left this church and I left kind of that spiritual authority of my dad, um, I knew God needed somebody else to be in my life to be that, and you were that and you helped me, you, you sat down with me, you heard my struggles and my issues and my things I was dealing with and you spoke into them and you breathed life into them and, and then you helped marry me and my wife. Uh, you were a part of that wedding uh, almost nine years ago, you were there. And so I owe so much to you. You've been a blessing to me. You've been a, you and your wife are incredible and I've been wanting to bring you here for quite some time for you to speak and today's the day. So church, would you help me welcome my pastor, uh, Pastor Don, all the way from Victory Church, Boca Raton. Wow, it is an honor uh, to really be here. And uh, yeah, I did have, I think for two years, it, Jacob lived with us and uh, I got some stories. So I... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, hey, my wife was going to be here with me today, and my son Jaden. We uh, we have a little guy. He's nine years old now, and and he uh, he got sick yesterday. Last night he got sick, but I think we have a picture of them. If they can come up here, there they are. That's my wife and my little guy there. He they, she's crazy about me, and we've been married forty years. And uh, so my. my uh, my my uh, my eldest son, I, and, I, and when I say this, I have a 33-year-old, a 29-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old. And uh, this nine-year-old that you saw there, he's amazing. He played basketball. I'm going to just say this here today. He played. He wants to. He wants to be a basketball player, right? So we got him in, and he played yesterday. He had a game. I'm going to brag on him just a moment. He had a game yesterday. He played. They won 54 to 40, and he scored 40 points and 25 rebounds. 
So I just had to bring that up. He's not here, so I got to brag on him just a little bit here today. Uh, and it is—it really is an honor to be here. And I, and I can talk a lot about Jacob and Cheryl and how my love for them, but my my respect for Ron and Cheryl and what they have done over the years here, and how God has not just used them but is using them to impact this area. I just want to honor you and your wife, Cheryl. I don't know why you're sitting back there. If there's something going on, I'm here for you guys. So. <laughs> hey, listen, before we, we're going to jump into Esther. I know you guys are in there. I'm going to get in there in, in just a moment. But let's go ahead and, and, and pray, if we would. Father, I thank you for just the opportunity to be here. Um, anytime I have an opportunity to stand up and speak about your goodness and your grace and your mercy, it's an honor and it's a privilege and it's humbling. So in all humility, I ask for your anointing. Because whatever I say here, whatever we do here, uh, needs to be laced with the Spirit of God and the anointing. And I pray that you'll do that and let it intersect and meet the heart of every person that's here today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you again. Tell someone next to you, get ready. To say, yeah, we're going we're to dig into Now, we're Esther, we're going to jump into the fifth chapter here of Esther. Uh, Pastor Jacob last week uh, dealt with, uh, got up into the fourth chapter. But I want to I close the fourth chapter here. If you go back with me, uh, in Esther, the fourth chapter, 13th verse through the 17th. I want to read this, I'm gonna, and I want to use this as a launching pad into what I feel like God has put on my heart to stir you today. So, uh, in the 13th verse, I'm reading in the New King James Version. It says, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows, in famous verse, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan. Fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, nights, or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. If you have your Bible, I want you to kind of uh, mark that. Or you might have, if I die, I die, mark that. Or if you're taking notes, just, just write it down. If I die, I die. This is, this is what I want to go to. If I die, I die. So Mordecai went his way, and it did according to all that Esther commanded him. And as I look at this and I see this, if, you, if you're following the story, if you've been with, uh, with us here over the last several weeks, we're in the story of Esther, Esther standing up. She's given this opportunity to stand up for God's people. And, and in this moment, she's told by her, her cousin, who has actually been raising her, Mordecai, he said, we need you to stand up for us. And she's kind of in this dilemma because, and I don't know if you've ever been in this place in your life, you know what, my life's pretty good. I'm doing all right. Why should I change what I'm doing because what I'm doing is just fine? You know, why, why get uncomfortable when everything seems to be convenient? And can I just, I'm just gonna, if every now and then I vent, is that okay? My concern with the culture that we're living in today is we're living in a culture of convenience. It's much easier to ask ourselves, how has it worked for me, than it does to step out and say, what can I do for others? 
And, and in this point, she's been given this, this ultimatum. Either you go before the king to save the people or you don't. But if you don't, somebody else will. And that's always bothered me. Ron, if you didn't take this church, someone else was going to do it. But the fact that you did. So I'm going to, I'm going to say something here and I'm going to do, and this is my, if I can give you a subtitle, here's the subtitle today. The subtitle is Courage. Courage. I wonder if today, if our culture is conducive to courage. I'm not too sure because I think courage takes resilience and I think we're living in a day and age where resilience isn't something that's taught as much. Resilience basically means sticking to it, driving it home, keep on the path, and it's just too easy to change your theology in the middle of your crisis. And in our day and age today, it's too easy to just turn things off rather than push through. And this thought of if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. She actually comes to the point and says, I'm willing to step into a place and be courageous to do something. And now the thought of being courageous, <laughs> I, 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 and I don't think this might be kind of a weird thing. And, and I might say some things that might, you know, expose me, but that's okay. Uh, I, my, I, my, my son has a cold plunge at his house. Have you, anybody ever done a cold plunge? All right, that's just, that's wrong. <laughs> but I'm at his house, I think, Jacob, I don't know if you were there, and he asked me to do the cold plunge. And I'm like, well, if I don't know what a cold plunge is, it's like the temperature in the water is down to under 50 degrees and you have to sit in there like, who would do something like that? <laughs> and, and, but, but I'm there, and I'm almost, I feel the challenge. And, I, and, I, and here's what I said. I said, I, I would go. I'd be in there for three minutes. I'll, don't give, and then they go, okay, go ahead. I don't have to, because I know I would. But I got this hamstring issue. <laughs> you know what's it, it's Here's my point. It's really easy to talk courage. It's real easy to say it. It's something else to step in. In fact, what I'm going to do here today is kind of link the word of God with faith because I think even though faith comes by hearing by the word of God, there's something that's in between there. Because we can know the word and we can believe it. But in the book of Hebrews, it says the word of God was preached to the Jewish people, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. And I think, wait a minute, if the word of God produces faith, but they're saying they heard the word, but it, they didn't have faith. Well, if the word of God produces faith, what's the missing element? Can I tell you what the missing element is? It's courage. I believe that courage is what links us between the now and the supernatural that God has for us. Faith, oh, well, I have faith in God. Everybody here says, oh yeah, I have faith in God. You have faith in God until he tells you and challenges you to get into the cold plunge. And when you get into that cold plunge, oh, yeah, of course I would. And kind of, this is where Esther is. Of course I would, if I had to, but I don't have to. 
and she inventory, inventories her own convenience. And I think that at time, a lot of us, we inventory our convenience or we ask ourselves, watch this, what's it gonna cost me? And it's okay if it costs Pastor Jacob something, <laughs> but if it costs me something, I'm not too sure. And so we'll jump now into the fifth chapter, but before I do, I want to define the word courage. Webster's Dictionary says it this way. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens one, or it means strength in the face of pain or grief. Courage. I want to encourage Victory Life Church today. I want to encourage you today. Because when I look in scripture, we look at all of these great men of God. We think of Abraham, if you follow scripture at all. Abraham, he, he had to have courage, not just faith. When God, God speaks to him, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he walked into his tent and said, hey, I gotta talk to you. Leave all your family and go to a place. Where am I going? I don't know where I'm going. God said, a place I'm gonna show you when you get there. Let me tell you something. It might take faith, but it also takes courage. How do you look at your family and say, I'm leaving, where are you going? <laughs> Try this. I don't know. I'm just getting out of here. <laughs> That's where they would, they would take it. I'm going to a place because God called me out. And I'm gonna tell you something. It takes faith to trust God, but it takes courage to follow him. And a lot of us have faith. Oh yes, I believe God will. But when it requires something of us, that's courage. Abraham had to have courage when God told him, I want you to sacrifice your only son. That, takes some, that, that doesn't take faith. That takes some courage. It takes courage to pack up and plan your life on something that God has given you. Yes, it's faith. I trust God. But I, I have to also have the, the element of courage, which is my action to my faith. We can say, I believe that victory life is gonna change the world around us, souls are gonna get saved, and that's great in faith. But am I a part of that? Am I courageous enough to inconvenience myself to be a part of it? And really, this is where it's at with her, because she can go, look, I'm in the king's palace, everything is going great, what are you kidding me? But then there's something down inside, and that's why I wanna to talk to you, there's something that might be down inside of you. What are the things in you, down deep inside of you that you need to address? And so she addresses it. So we jump into the fifth chapter, look at the first through the third verse, we'll read here. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. I want to stop here for a moment and kind of fill this in. Esther, in order to go before the king unannounced or without a prior plan, they put you to death. That's why she said, if I perish, I perish. If I go before the king and he hasn't invited me or he hasn't put out his scepter to receive me, they'll kill me right on the spot. And she had to deal with this internally. And I just 
see this. It says that she put on her royal robes. Now, she, she's dressed up. She's, and I can only see this long hallway. And all the way on the other side is the king sitting on his throne facing her. And she's standing looking at the king on the throne. And she takes the deep breath. Here I go. Is he going to receive me or not? I think a lot of us might be standing in that place in our lives. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you had to take that deep breath and so, all right, if I die, I die. All right, I'm either going to make it or I'm not. The courage to say, I'm willing to go. And, 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 and let me say this, as a church, do we have the courage inside of us? We know that God can do everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's. Everything's in it. God's sovereign. He's in charge. We learned that from Pastor Ron when he first spoke. Hey, he's in charge. God is orchestrating things even though we don't even know what he's doing. And sometimes he makes a left when we make a right and he still figures it out for us, right? Okay, so God's in charge of this whole thing. And when we sit here and we, we take this, this step of courage and you, you, you're looking at as a church and you're saying to yourself, we are facing an anti-God culture today. And it would be a lot easier for us to just come to church, do our thing and go home when God has called us out. I just think of Jesus when, it, I, I, and again, this is the way my mind works. I may never be invited back here again after I tell you this because you guys think I'm crazy. My thing is Jesus is with his disciples after he ascends and he's getting ready to go to heaven. And it's almost to me, I see him going to heaven like, like, like shooting up, going to heaven, say God, oh, stop, I gotta come back. I forgot there's one last thing I gotta tell you. What? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What I have done for you, you go do it for somebody else. I, let me tell you something. Any pastor that takes this position that stands up here and I honor Pastor Ron and Cheryl and Jacob and Cheryl and I say to myself, anybody who does this has got something deep down inside because let me tell you something, you have no clue what Pastor Ron and Cheryl have gone through. You have no clue the giants that they faced. Some of you may be elders, maybe you're deacons, maybe you're a part of the team and you've seen, but you have no idea the times that they have wept on their own and no one has been there for them. You have, you have no clue of those moments and they don't wanna let you know about those moments. But it's those moments inside and they sit down and go, why do we do what we do? And if, if, if Ron is anything like me and anytime I've spent time with Pastor Ron, I've, I kind of felt this, I can't help to do what I do because of what God did for me. I'm sorry. See, you know, if you know, I'm going on all my testimony, but at nine years old, my, my father left us, left my mom with four kids sitting on a couch and abandoned us at nine years old. I was nine years old abandoned. I excelled in sports my whole life, and the only reason why I excelled in sports my whole life is because every coach became my dad, and I didn't want him to ever be disappointed with me because I thought my dad left me because he wasn't happy with us. And at nine years old, that's where I was. But at 13 years old, I was invited to church. Maybe here today. You've been invited to church here today. I was invited to church at 13 years old. 
I sat in the row and I heard the pastor say, God loves you and he cares for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I bowed my head and closed my eyes. And to me, as I grew up Catholic, to me, bow your head, close your eyes means it's almost over. And that's where I was, 13 years old. I sat there and he said, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever received Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior? And I'm like, wow, I didn't grow up Catholic. I know Jesus. Anybody ever said that? I know Jesus. No, he said personal relation. Then he said this, this is blue. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you will open the door, I'll come in. And if you would like to invite Jesus into your heart, he'll come in. And I'm there. And he said, and if you would like to pray this prayer, I'll pray with you. And, And I raised my hand. He said, raise your hand. I raised my hand. I went forward that day in 1974 on February, and I went forward, and Reverend George Miller got on his knees, and he prayed with me to receive Jesus Christ into my heart, and I prayed this prayer, and to be honest with you, I couldn't even hear the whole prayer. So I just kind of did what I did when I'm in confessional. I just kind of, yeah. But I did hear, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, make me new. What I can tell you, is that 13 years old when I left that church and I got on that, in that car sitting in the back seat of my mom's car on the right-hand side going over the railroad tracks at Dixie Highway and Oakland Park Boulevard and we made a right-hand turn on that street. I can remember my head was against the window and I felt the coldness of that window and all I said to myself is something is different. A scared, young, abandoned boy, all of a sudden something changed. And I want to tell you this here today. My life, Pastor Ron's life, whatever his testimony that is similar to that, and the reason why we do what we do is because we are rescuing the same people that God rescued us. We are out there because there's so many people who need that. And can I tell you this? My convenience is not worth me being okay when there's other people that are just like me who needs something, and how can I keep that to myself? How many here has ever given your life to Jesus Christ, have an experience where he's changed your life? Can you raise your hand here today if you have? Come on, give God praise for that. Why? Why did he do that? It wasn't supposed to stop with you. Why did Jesus go halfway to heaven? Go, oh, wait. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. Man, I got to tell you, there's something that's driving the church that culture is trying to steal. And part of it means we got to take some courage to face some things in our life. Some of you here today got into a small group. That's awesome. Some of you are, I don't know if I have time for that. Let me tell you something. I love what Pastor Jacob said. We are inspired in rows, but we grow in circles, face to face, knee to knee, heart to heart. God has that plan. Who do you have in your life? We'll get to that in a little bit. But she's standing there. Maybe you stood there and you're facing something and you're going, Dan, I gotta, do I step forward or do I step back? I don't know. And she steps into this. He puts out the scepter, if you'll read on through, and she touches the top of that scepter, which means she's accepted. We can go through a whole story on that. But I'm going to stick to one thing. Courage. I want to leave this place saying, when my wife asks, hey, how'd it go? I want to say, I think they were encouraged. And sometimes when we look at courage as a passive thing, that I, I think, oh, I feel, I feel better. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about encourage like made you feel better. And I think courage has inspired you to face some things in your life. Second verse says again, and so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter and the king said to her, what do you wish? And Queen Esther said, what is your request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. So basically he puts it out and said, you can have what you want. Now there's two banquets. I'm gonna talk about this. You kind of quickly paraphrase it. She said, Let's have a banquet with you and with, with Haman. Haman's the guy who's got it in for the Jewish people. He said, I'm going to have a banquet with you, and, uh, and I'll talk to you, and I'll tell you there. So come on, Haman, let's have the banquet. So we have the banquet, and she is going to tell him, but, and I, this is, it doesn't say this in Scripture, kind of my picture, and if my picture's wrong, just throw it out, but she has a banquet with Haman and the king, and he goes, okay, now that we're here, what do you want? And she goes, <clears throat> let's have another banquet. Come to a banquet tomorrow. And, and it might be, it just might, it might just be that, that at that moment, she kind of got a little nervous. Have you ever been nervous in the middle of stepping out? Have you ever gotten to that place where you, it's easier to step back. And I think she kind of like, and, and in this, she, you know, let's wait. Let's just wait. Let's get, let's come back tomorrow. Now, Haman is all excited because he's full of pride. There's so much that's inside of him. He's the only one invited. He's so fired up and excited about this. He's coming to another banquet tomorrow. He feels like he's the man. But see, down deep in his heart, there were some real bad things in there. Some real bad things. So he leaves the banquet, getting ready to go to the next banquet. And on his way there, let's look at the eighth verse. Well, let, let, let's jump over to, let's go to, the, let's go to the tenth verse. You all right back there? Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. He sat and called for his friends, his wife, Sarah. That's a, you know what, I'm gonna jump, go back to the ninth verse. I'm sorry. So Haman went out that day joyfully and was glad in his heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Somebody... I want you to mark this verse for a moment. Haman hates Mordecai, has already come up with a decree to kill all of the Jewish people. Mordecai does not honor him. And he's full of this pride and he sees, he sees Mordecai and something inside of him goes off. Let's talk about that for a moment. Because here's what I would say to you. There's a courage to face culture, but there's also a courage to face yourself.
we can read through this scripture and we can look through this scripture and we can, well, we see Haman. We know that if you follow through the, the scriptures, you can find out what happens to Haman and the Jewish people, how God begins to move. But, but I want to stop for this moment because see, this moment, we, uh, we, we look at Haman and we go, this guy is evil. Or we could say he's possessed or the devil is in him. And all of those things can all be true. My question is not so much, is the devil in him? My question is, how did that happen to him? How did he ever get to the place? What is it that is inside of him that gave him such rage? Now we'll drop it into the 10th verse. He says, nevertheless, Haman restrained himself. He went home and he sent and called for his friends and his wife. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come with the king into the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow, I am again invited by her along with the king, yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai, that Jew, sitting in the king's gate. There's something inside of me. There's something, there's something that's there. Everything can be going great. But what is that? What is, have you ever had the courage to ask yourself, why do you rage when you rage? Why does that go on inside of you? Why, have you ever had the courage to take an internal perspective? I wonder, and, and we, we, the story of, of Haman and Mordecai and Esther, and, uh, it's a great story, but I, I have to stop for just a moment because sometimes we see the what without asking ourselves the why. We see what he felt, but do we know why? I don't, don't, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but I also want to step back while we're looking at scripture and ask myself why at times? Why? Why? Do I have enough courage to be honest with myself? <laughs> Sometimes my wife is really honest with me. Has, how many husbands have wives that are honest with you? <laughs> there was, a, this is, again, this is just me. One day, we, I think we were going. We were going to go to the beach, and I don't go to the beach that often. <clears throat> so just flippantly, I said, "You know, hey, we're we're all going to the beach. We're talking about what we need to get, what we need to bring to go to the beach, and all of it." And 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 my wife says to me, <clears throat> "Did you cut your toenails?" <laughs> I haven't even looked at my toenails. I don't. Now, some of you are, are here laughing about this right now, but, but, but I will tell you this right now. If I told you the Lord spoke to my heart and told me that we are going to have a foot washing service here today, and I want everybody to come forward, some of you wives would look at your husband right now and you would say, oh, don't you, you're, you don't want him to see those things. <laughs> the thing is, this, I, I, I didn't, I was like, and I, again, I'm married 40 years, so I, I just like, cut my toenails. I, I kind of like, <laughs> whoa. 
And you don't think about your toenails because you're always wearing socks and shoes and nobody else is going to see it. <laughs> and I think that's the way a lot of times in our life we might have some things that are inside of us that no one knows it's going on because we know how to cover it up. We know how to say the right thing. We know how to do the right thing. But every now and then it kind of comes out, but then we put it back into the, to the chambers of the heart. So can I give you a dangerous prayer to pray? Here's a dangerous prayer. The book of Psalms, if you'll go there. 139th chapter of Psalm. And this is King David who had enough of his life that he's, <laughs> I just love this guy because he's just real. I mean, he did some awesome things, but he also did some pretty stupid things. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. So I just, that relieves me a little bit. <laughs> I've done some great things, but I've done some pretty dumb things too, but God still loves me anyway. That's good for, that, that right there, some of you came just for that. Here's the prayer. Watch this and mark it in your Bible. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So I take this moment to look at Haman and I think of Haman, and I think we see his rage and his anger, but I ask myself, why? Why? Why, does, why do I feel this way? Have you, have you ever had the courage to ask yourself or ask God to say, hey? You know, before I came here, I laid out my clothes that I was going to wear here. <laughs> I put them up. I told Ron this morning. I put them up because I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to wear. My wife says, you are not wearing that. You are not going to wear that. I was like, well, what's wrong with that? It's just the way Jacob dresses. <laughs> just... so, so she got me this. And then I saw Ron and I go, she was right. <laughs> just, just, just like Ron. <clears throat> Who do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life that you're you're courageous enough to invite them in to help you sanctify yourself the way you've been sanctified by God. Who do you have in your life who can look at you and say, have you, <laughs> have you cut your toenails? <laughs> who do you have in your life? Or are you bold enough to go, hey God, I'm trying and I'm not great. Could you search my heart? See if there's anything in me. Is there something in me that needs to be addressed? Because see, if I don't address this, see, because what we look at, we look at Haman's rage and his anger, but somewhere he gave place to this way back. I heard a long time ago, it's small hinges that swing big doors. Sometimes those small hinges are great little things that cause great things to happen, but sometimes those little hinges are opening doors to things we never want to open. And it's the small things. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It's the little foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vine. 
It's those small things inside of us. I heard a long time ago this. He said, if you throw a pebble into a pond and it causes a tidal wave, <laughs> it wasn't the pebble. And some of us, maybe we need to take some inventory. Take some inventory in our heart. Or have, make, get into a group where you can, I, 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 you know, and I, I used to go to uh, recovery groups in our church. And I don't know if anybody's in, been in recovery. Uh, I wasn't in recovery. I was just going to them because we made them available to people that are in our church, and I would go to them. And there was not one recovery meeting that I left that I didn't cry at. And I said to myself, that's the way the church should be. That's what I said. I said, what do you mean? Well, people were so honest and open and people, when they would share that they struggled with some things or they fell, you should have seen the response of the people around them. The people around them were like, man, we got you, bro. You're here. You're in the right spot. Let's do it. There'd be people that get up out of their chair and go over and hug them while they were crying. I'm going to tell you something. That was an amazing, I could go to Kathy. I said, Kathy, man, that is the way church is supposed to be. A place where you can, you, know, you can be honest. A place where you're, you can take the courage to address your heart. Search me, God. Try my reins. I, I, look, I don't need to be perfect to be perfect. I just want to be right with you. And then I want to take the message that you have and bring it to others. That's all I want to do. Love God, love people. I think of a time uh, I was reading a book, Dr. Martin Luther King. And in, in the book of Dr. Martin Luther King, he said something that was interesting. He said, <clears throat> he began to talk about the Good Samaritan. And as he talked about the Good Samaritan, and he was standing up for the sanitation workers in Selma, Alabama. And in this message, he begins to talk about, if you've ever heard about the Good Samaritan, a man is walking down the street, and he's overtaken by thieves, and he's beaten, and he's left for dead. And then when he's left for dead, you see the, the priest comes by and he sees the man left for dead and it says, and he walks over on the other side. And a Levite comes, which is basically the worship leader, this is Danny. <laughs> it's just funny. He comes out, he sees the same thing and he walks over on the other side. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why there could be, the, but, but inside he, they walk. And then, then he said, there's a Samaritan, which by the way, when he said Samaritan, that was going to already infuse the people because the Samaritans were, were half-breeds, not accepted. And he uses him to say, and a Samaritan comes by and he sees him and he binds his wounds and he takes him up and he puts him on his own dock and he takes him and he puts him in a hotel, gives him a credit card, said, take care of him. He said, which one of them loved him? He said, oh, oh the, the, the Samaritan. And here's what Dr. Martin Luther King said. He said, I believe that what happened is the Levite and the priest asked themselves, what could happen to us if we stop? But the Samaritan said, what will happen to him if I don't? And courage sometimes, as Esther is to step aside from my own convenience and ask myself, what could happen if I engage? What can happen if I step out? What can happen if I go forward? And you might say to yourself, well, what, what, well I can do a, a little bit, and that's fine. But I want to finish with one more verse. I'll ask the worship team to come. And it's in 2 Samuel, the 24th chapter. And I can go on on King David. He's one of the heroes of the Bible. But there was a plague on the people and the plague was going to be removed. In order to remove that plague, King David had 
had to bring a sacrifice before the Lord. So this story in 2 Samuel, the 24th chapter, 22nd verse, he goes to a man by the name of Urana. And he says, now Urana said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for burnt sacrifices. Here's the threshing implements and the yoke for the oxen for the wood. All these, O king, Arana has given to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. So check this out. I'm coming to offer to remove the plague. As I come to offer to remove the plague, this guy says, oh, you can pick up. I'll give you everything you need for the sacrifice. We'll set this whole thing up. It's not gonna, watch it, it's not gonna cost you anything. So 2 Samuel 24 and 24, it says this, and if you don't have this marked in your Bible, I want you to do that. And the king said to Urana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which has cost me nothing. I refuse to give to God out of my convenience. I will not give to God something that hasn't cost me something. You know, 27 years ago, I started Victory Church in Boca. Last week, 58 people received Christ at church. The week before that, 48 people received Christ. The week before that, 42 people received Christ. In the last six weeks, over 250 people have received Jesus Christ at church. All that's great. You, you know the glory, but you don't know the story. You don't know the cost. You don't know the tears. You don't know the pain. You don't know the betrayal. You don't know all the stuff that I'd gone through in 27 years to sit here and tell you how many people are getting saved. And I'm gonna tell you something, wanting to quit, oh my goodness, that was carried with me every day. Ron and Cheryl, you've been here. There have been moments that people are sitting in the glory, but they don't know the story because it cost. They don't know. They might see a little bit of it. They might know, but no one knows the cost. No one knows the nights that you laid in bed and held your wife's hand with tears in your eye. No one knows those moments, and you don't have to share them with anybody, but they're there. Why do you do it? Well, I was a nine-year-old boy. And at 13 years old, I was completely free from the things that plagued me. And all I want to do is release somebody else from the bondage that they're in. That's all I want to do. That's why I do it. It's, it's worth it to me. It's worth it to Ron, Cheryl, to Jacob, Cheryl, to the leadership of this church. It's, it's worth it. My question to you is, are you willing to be courageous enough to say, you know what? I got your back. I'm here for you. Let's do this thing together. I'm also going to ask you this for a moment. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes here. 
have you honestly taken an inventory of your own heart? I said, hey, what is my life like with God? Do, do I know him? Like, I know God, I know Jesus, I've been in church. Or, or have you opened up your heart and let him in and become the Lord of your life? Have you taken the courage to take yourself and your own emotions and put them on the side and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to realize that he did all the heavy lifting when he died on the cross and said it is finished. He said that they took a funnel and they stuck it in his heart and they took the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, and they poured it into him and he said it is finished and he who knew no sin became sin so you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He also said, come to me, all you that labor on a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're here today with your head bowed and eyes closed, be courageous enough to search your own heart. Is my life right with God? Am I going through the motions? Am I living a Christianity of convenience? Or do I, I need to step out in courage. If you're here today and you'd like to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior here today, no matter who you are, no matter if you've been coming to this church for years or if you're here today and you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord, you've been away from God and it's time to come home, I want to pray a prayer with those that are here today. Say, I want to receive Jesus or I need to rededicate my heart to the Lord. What is rededication? Hey, I've given my life to Christ, but I've wandered from him. He's never left me, but I've left him and I want to come back into his grace and into his presence again. If you are here today and you want me to pray for you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Yes, back over here, 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 here. Yes, yes, yes. Just keep them up for a moment. I want to see you. I'm going to pray with you. You're going to make this your prayer. I want everybody in this congregation, would you pray it with them? Just say, dear God, I believe that you love me and you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe he rose again and he's alive today. And I invite him into my heart. Forgive me. Give me a new start. From this day forward, God, you're my father and I'm your child. Amen. Amen. Can we give all of them a great big hand? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.